Welcome to another week of Sweet Sports Talk with your host, Brian Sweet. This week we'll be talking about weeks 11 and 12 in college football and weeks 10 and 11 in the NFL. Let's start off with college football where I'll kind of blend the two weeks together just because, you know, this is the time time of year that you see a lot of college football teams play, um, you know, they pay teams to come play them that are a lower level than they are. So this is kind of like a combined um, analysis of what happened the last two weeks in college football. In week 11, really the only game really noticeable, you know, from the schedule is Oregon losing to Washington. So Oregon was ranked number six going into this game and Washington was number 25. Oregon was predicted to win by, you know, 20 plus points because usually, you know, when you're in the top 10, you know, everyone picks you to win. Well, welcome to the chaos of what is called college football. And Washington came in there and beat Oregon on their home turf 37-34 in what was a back-and-forth game between both teams. And let me just say, the Oregon Ducks had a great season up until that week. Um, I don't know what went wrong, but, you know, the Oregon Ducks have been consistent all year long. And somehow, you know, they allowed Washington to walk in there and beat them. You know, this might be a case of looking ahead at your opponents down the road, and that's what happened. Um, and that's what I really think happened to Oregon there. And, you know, it could cost them their season. I don't know. We'll find out um, as the season comes to a close. Now, I still expect Bo Nix to be up for the Heisman, even though he lost. Bo Nix has had a really good season. He's got multiple – he's got tons of touchdowns to his name, and, you know – if he doesn't become a Heisman finalist, then there's something wrong with the voting system. He's on my ballot in the top three um, currently right now. So let's see what happens, you know, as the season wraps up, if he will become one of the top three finalists. Let's move over to week 12, where there were a couple of games that, you know, were really good. And let's start off with TCU versus Baylor, which is a huge rivalry down here in the state of Texas if you live elsewhere listening to this podcast. I mean, these two teams are both Christian universities, and they they play hard against each other. I mean, there's there's been a couple of years where there's been a blowout by either team, but, you know, this year it was really close. TCU edged out Baylor 29-28. And let me tell you how good of a coach um, Sony Dykes is for TCU. Have you ever heard of the fire drill? So and basically the fire drill is when you um, – don't have any timeouts and you need to change out, uh, you know, for special teams. They practice, you know, running off the field as fast as you can and letting the special teams run on as fast as they can to get set up and kick the field goal. Well, they executed it so perfectly that they had under 30 seconds to get on the field, kick the field goal, and they kicked it with three seconds left on the clock and they won against Baylor. They were trailing on that final possession and then they executed that fire drill perfectly and that's why TCU won and is still ranked number four in the nation we'll see what happens you know next week as the season wraps up um but TCU man I I could see in the college football playoffs this year Max Dugan will be a Heisman finalist if not then the, the whole thing is rigged um but yeah Max Dugan man is really is a really good quarterback and I can't wait to see 
which pro team drafts him because if he goes to the right team, that kid has a future in the NFL. Let's move over to the SEC where Georgia struggled against a really bad Kentucky team this year. Now, I know they have a very good rivalry between the two schools, but when you win 16-6 to and you're the number one team in the nation, that's pretty bad, and it shows that you guys looked ahead at your schedule and started preparing for the other teams. Kentucky had a great game plan and held them to 16 points. I don't know why, you know, Kentucky fans are mad. I mean, that's a win if you're a school unranked and you hold the number one team in the nation to 16 points. I mean, you know, I would tell my players in the locker room, even though you guys lost by 10, I'm so proud of you for holding them to 16 points and no one had you um, picked to win this game. So hats off to Kentucky for giving somewhat of a blueprint on how to beat Georgia for TCU. Let's move over to the next game. And I this is a weird one. I did not see coming, and I, I'm sure Vegas didn't either. But you have South Carolina, unranked South Carolina, going in, you know, playing at home against number five in the nation, Tennessee. And, you know, South Carolina put 63 points up on a team that was just right outside the college football playoff and derailed their entire season. Um, you know, I feel bad for T- Tennessee's quarterback for tearing his ACL. And, you know, I hope he gets um, he comes back for another year. Um, I think he's heading to the NFL next year. So hopefully he, um, you know, NFL teams take account of what he did this year if he declares for the draft. But South Carolina came out of the middle of nowhere and just slapped Tennessee across the face. Um, I had Tennessee blowing him out at home by a big amount of points. And that did not happen. So hats off to South Carolina. You know, they got a great new head coach over there, and I expect them you know, maybe in the next couple of years to be a really good powerhouse SEC team. In the last game, we're going to go to the Pac-12, and we're going to talk about um, number 7 USC beating number 16 UCLA by three points. Now, this was a huge barn burner. I mean, the defense was optional in this game. USC barely beat UCLA 48-45, to and that was a really good, strong game by USC to show their dominance and so stay in the top 10. They could be one of those teams that sneaks up and surprises everyone in the final week and gets a shot at the Pac-12 title. Now, I I don't know what's going to happen to USC, but, you know, USC's had a really good year under Lincoln uh, Lincoln Riley and uh, their quarterback, Caleb Williams. I can tell you right now, OU's missing Caleb Williams big time this year. You know, if Caleb Williams was still at OU, they would be in the race for the Big 12 title, but This year, OU just had a very bad season after they got beat by Texas. I can't wait to see who wins the Pac-12 because they could be considered for the top four teams in the country if everything happens and dominoes fall where, you know, the SEC title game, if Georgia loses, you could see USC popping in the top four. We'll see what happens, but, you know, USC, I mean, had a great year under Lincoln Riley and no, it's no wonder why a lot of kids are starting to look at USC as a potential place to um, go to college and play college football. Now let's move over to the NFL in Week 10. And there's only a couple games I really want to talk about here. And they're both evolving NFC East teams. So let's get into the first one. So the first one I want to talk about is the Dallas Cowboys versus the Green Bay Packers. 
So, you know, Dallas has a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and when they do, they're undefeated. Well, that was until this week where Green Bay came back, tied the game, and the Cowboys were going down the field very well in overtime. Then, you know, Green Bay gets a stop on third down, and they have a very good chance of making the field goal of Brett Morris, their kicker. Instead of bringing out the field goal unit, you know, Mike McCarthy decides to go for it. I think it's a stupid idea, and let me tell you why. As soon as that ball was snapped, Dak was running and basically was scrambling for his dear life. I mean, Green Bay was ready, you know, the defense was prepared, and they attacked Dak, basically blitzed six players. Basically chased Dak out of the pocket, forced him to basically try to throw it away for the first down. Receiver couldn't catch the ball, turned over on downs, and then three plays later, Green Bay walks down the field and ends the game. So Mike McCarthy gets up there at the podium and basically says, you know, I went off the analytics and, you know, that's the reason why I went for it on fourth down. Well, Mike McCarthy, in overtime, you don't get second chances to um, win the game. I mean, after you turn the ball over, when you have the ball for the first possession, if the R team scores after that, basically they win the game. I mean, there's no second chances for the Cowboys offense to counter against the other team scoring in overtime. So instead of, you know, next time Mike McCarthy decided to go, to kick the field goal, Brett Mark and hit from 55 if he wanted to. Um, you got a great kicker. Use him. And that's all I have to say on that game. Now, the next game involves Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders which that was one heck of a matchup in the NFC East I did not see coming. So as you all know, Philadelphia is undefeated. You know, they're, they're having a great year. You know, they're going up and down the field, scoring multiple times during games. No one thinks that, you know, they're going to lose in the regular season. Well, guess what? It happened that Monday night on November 14th. The Commanders um, QB, Tyler Hinckley, that guy is a heck of a QB, and I'm surprised, you know, Ron Rivera didn't start him at the beginning of the season. I mean, the guy was an XFL QB living off his sister's couch, and now he's a full-time NFL QB. Um, you know, he was back up to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz didn't work out, so he got put in. Tyler Hinckley had one heck of a game, and they beat the Philadelphia Eagles 32-21 and basically put the... Un, the um, undefeated season talks to rest. And, you know, everyone mocks the Washington commander because they changed the team name because of politics and all that. But, you know, they have a really good team. If they can just get that offensive line, get some weapons for Tyler Hinckley, he's going to be the QB going forward. I'd be surprised if somehow he gets let go or traded this offseason. I don't think that'll happen. But if they can build around Tyler Hinckley, they have a decent squad. I mean, it, it's up to Ron Rivera if he wants to be a contender next year in the NFC East. Personally, I think the Commanders are a team to watch out for if they do well in free agency and draft the right players. I mean, that's how close they are from making this a huge division um, once again in the NFL instead of the laughing stock it has been the last five years. Let's move over to week 11 where we um, have the Detroit Lions upsetting one of the big teams in the NFC East, the, the New York Giants. 
Now, the Lions have had a really bad year just due to, you know, they don't have the skill players at all the positions. You know, it's hard to get people to go there in free agency. And, you know, the Detroit Lions have been scraping close getting uh, losses. And, you know, they're, they're on the brink of getting there. Well, they definitely got there against the New York Giants, winning 31-18. to Now, Dan Campbell's a really good coach. Now, if he can get some really good players this offseason, and once they get Jameson Williams, their wide receiver they got from Alabama, back from his ACL surgery he had this offseason, this team could be really good in the NFC North. They got a really good ground-and-pound running back, DeAndre Swift, and then they got Jamison Williams, who I picked up on my fantasy team in the later rounds. And let me tell you, he's been a lifesaver in a couple of weeks for me this year. Um, Jamison Williams is a really good running back that the Green Bay Packers gave up on. And he has more touchdowns than they do this season. That, so that just says a lot about you know Jamison Williams and how good he is. And the Lions got one heck of a steal. Um, now they did give up TJ Hawkinson at the trade deadline, which was kind of concerning for Detroit, but it looks like they're going forward and they're doing well without him. This is just a game that I had to bring up just because of, you know, the Detroit Lions out of the middle of nowhere just body slammed the New York Giants into the ground. This was a loss that I personally didn't see coming, and I thought it was interesting to share with you guys. Hang with me here. I got a couple more games. One of them I really want to talk about, and that's, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Minnesota Vikings. So, as you know, I mentioned, you know, they lost to Green Bay in overtime, the whole analytics crap spiel um, from Mike McCarthy. And then they come out and sur- surplex the Minnesota Vikings into the ground, who are second in the NFC, by the way. 40-3 um, to on their home turf. I mean, Dak Prescott was nearly perfect, only had three incompletions. You know, you got Tony Pollard and um, Zeke Elliott with two touchdowns each. I mean, you couldn't have scripted this game any better for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys can get the consistency down, they'd be a huge threat in the NFC. But right now it's, okay, one week we're going to blow out an opponent. Next week we're going to lose by a bunch. And we're going to have that whole spiel up and down the entire season. If these guys can just get consistent on both sides of the ball and play like this every week, I mean, the Cowboys would be in first place in the NFC right now. If they would just get a consistent game plan by Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, who is trying to make this like the Boise State of the NFL. I have never seen so many motions before a pre-snap in the NFL until he came to Dallas. I mean... Kellen Moore's got to realize, you know, hey, this is the NFL, man. If you want to do all the pre-snap motions, all the fancy stuff, please go back to Boise State or any college football team. In the professional football league, we don't motion three times before we hike the ball and give it up to someone. That's my spiel about the Cowboys and the Vikings. All I have to say is Cowboys came out and shut everyone up. I mean... After last week's game, I could see everyone in Vegas voting, you know, putting their money on the Minnesota Vikings for blowing out the Cowboys, but Cowboys proved everyone wrong and a bunch of people lost a lot of money. The last game I want to talk about is the Titans and the Packers that played on Thursday Night Football. So the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, they have a 
running back named Derrick Henry. Now, if you ever seen a picture of the guy, you know, the dude is super jacked. I mean, he looks like someone created him in a lab. I mean, on Madden football. I mean, the guy is literally a freight train. And if you're, you know, having to go up against him um, as a defender, I mean, you basically get out of the way of him if he's coming downhill right at you. Um, Derrick Henry had a really good night against the Packers. Even though he didn't score um, as many touchdowns as I thought he was going to score, he scored one and had 87 yards um, on the night. But he was able to move that ball up and down the field and got the passing game going against the Packers. I mean, you know, the Tennessee Titans have an amazing weapon in him. And I'm surprised, you know, if Ryan Tan- I know Ryan Tannehill's been battling a hand injury and he was out against um, other teams for a while earlier in the season. But, you know, they have a really good weapon that can open up the passing game where they got Austin Hooper, they got um, a bunch of other talented receivers that they could target. You know, Tennessee, I think, will end up as a playoff team. They are currently at the top of their division in the AFC South at 7-3, and three, and basically they're they're going to clinch the division. I'm I'm shocked they haven't clinched it yet, but based based on how the other teams are doing in that division, they they basically have the division in the bag this year. Hopefully, you know Ryan Tannehill recovers from that injury he had, and you know the Titans have a deep playoff run in the AFC. But Derrick Henry is a huge key of their puzzle on offense. They need to keep using because him opening up the passing game against the Packers was huge. Now, let's see how they do as the season wraps up and we look towards postseason play. That's it for this week of Sweet Sports Talk. Tune in next week. We'll talk more about Week 13 of college football and Week 12 of the NFL.